this was years of figuring it out. So I did this for like seven years before I really started to get into flow and really start to build momentum. And I tell my clients, like, if you're not willing to put skin in the game for 10 years, today is the day to quit because you have to be willing to show up every single day and some days not seeing the fruit. You don't eat the fruit the same day you plant the seed. So if that's what you're trying to do, then you're going to be really upset and you're going to quit. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sanira Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who have made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so that you can do it too. You're a real business now. Class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. This is your host, Sanira Madani, and I'm here today with Maya Elias, who is a multi-seven-figure entrepreneur who helps other women scale their digital businesses. She is also just an incredible firehouse of an entrepreneur and a fearless leader. She helps so many women day in and day out actually achieve their dreams of success. And we're so excited to have her on the show today to talk about how she's empowering women, how she's changing lives every day, and some tactical tips on actually starting and scaling your business, whether you're in idea stage or you're already crossed that big milestone and looking to get to the next level. Maya, thanks for being here today. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sanera. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to have you. You know, we were just talking all about everything right before the show and something that Maya and I were discussing were in-person events. Maya just hosted a huge successful event and I was so jealous watching it on Instagram stories that I wanted to be there so bad. And your mom and sister seemed so fun. I'm so close to my family. So I was loving all the family energy that was there. But tell us a little bit about what you do about Impact Weekend. Tell us a little bit about what your mission is. Yeah, yeah. So I am the CEO of Built to Impact. We are a coaching company. We primarily work with women of faith who are coaches, consultants, and experts. And we help them package up their skill set, their message, so they can create a high-end service or a high-end coaching program. So our main goal is to help them figure out what their signature offer is and then take that to six figures within 12 months. That's, that's ambitious. Six figures in 12 months. So you said you work with, sounds like all different types of entrepreneurs, right? So what, what is kind of like that niche in terms of they're all, are they, they're digital entrepreneurs, they're scaling their businesses online? Yeah. So the people we work with are just people who have an expertise or skill set, and they want to know how to use their expertise as an entrepreneur. So maybe they've been using their skill set for friends and family or at their nine to five. And they're like, I want to go into more of a consulting role, or I want to teach this information online. So people that have something that they can teach or a done for you service, like web designer, videographer, photographers. Fantastic. And so you said six figures in 12 months, how do you get them there? So what are some of like the things that you see that are just key areas that you help them focus on or maybe things that they're missing? Yeah. So the number one thing is helping them to 
see and articulate their value. Cause a lot of them, when they come to me, they're undercharging. And so I'm like, the first thing is just raise your price. And they feel nervous. Like, well, how can I raise my price? Like what extra things do I need to do to be able to raise my price? And I'm like, you don't really have to do anything extra to raise your price. The value is already there. You just haven't seen it. So sometimes they feel like, oh, in order to raise my price, I have to like offer more coaching calls or I need to give more information. And a lot of the times they're already giving the value. They have years of experience. And so we start out by simply raising their price and then me teaching them how to package their offer and articulate the value of it. So I specifically teach them how to price high end or high ticket, so to speak, and then find their dream clients. And so the goal is that when they create their signature offer and they launch it, that they have, you know, a five figure launch making $10,000 or more when they launch. That's fantastic. And just that concept that you talked about of increasing their price, let's kind of dive into that. I mean, that is definitely such a huge limiting belief as women that we have of not, we don't charge for our worth. We see that time and time again, whether we're in the corporate industry, whether we are a consultant, whether we have the best offer in the entire world, it's scary uh, because what if nobody shows up, Maya? Right. I'm like, there's always going to be somebody that shows up. And it's funny because I'm like, my pricing strategy is if one person pays me, then multiple people will pay me. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me increase the rate. Like if people are paying in full, then I definitely know I'm not charging enough. So it's like, there's going to be somebody that shows up and I know it's a fear, but it's, it's not real. Like everybody says, oh, the market is so saturated. So if you feel like your market is saturated, then that means people are showing up. That's really interesting. I actually have some thoughts around that, which I, I want to get back to on the pricing strategy, because I do believe that there is this concept called customer lifetime value that uh, maybe we'll get, get into a little bit further, how to really extract that customer value through and through. Before we go straight into all the business stuff, which I know all the women here are dying to learn about, we also want to get into your story. And how did you actually get started and in, in coaching women into creating high figure offers? Like how did, how did this come about? Yeah. So, I mean, my very, very, very beginning story is that I was a MySpace designer in college. So that's, you know, how I initially got in the branding space. I was helping people build their brand online before I even knew what branding was. All I knew was that people wanted to look cool online. They wanted to look cool on MySpace and I knew how to custom code MySpace pages. So that's how I got into the branding space. And then obviously as MySpace phased out, people wanted their own platforms. They wanted their own websites. So I self-taught myself how to build websites. I learned a lot about branding and coding and strategy through YouTube because that's exactly what my clients were looking for. And as a web designer, for any web designers that are listening to this, you know that the biggest pain point is when you're building a website for a client and they have no pictures, they have no copy, they don't know what they want to say, they don't know how to drive traffic to their website. And so then it makes you look inadequate as a web designer because now the website isn't the best that it can be and they'll go out of business if they don't know how to drive traffic to their website. So I recognized a lot of my clients were leaning on me to write their copy and help them with their content. And I realized that my gifting was in messaging. Once they told me what they did, I was able to take that information and really help them position the value of what they did. And so that's how I started transitioning more into teaching content, blogging, and messaging, because those were the things that helped my clients start generating money once they did have their websites up. 
That's amazing. And actually there's been so many fun founder stories that I've actually heard from people that actually either built websites in college, built MySpaces in college. It was almost like the first hustle economy, right? It was like the original entrepreneurship (laughs) academy of having to actually build a brand. It was the first place that you had to go build it. That's incredible. So you were helping other people build their brands. And then that's kind of how eventually it it evolved. When did the scale point really happen for you, right? So I'm assuming that you were doing one-on-one style services, done for you services, which just means that you actually did all the work. You actually, a difference between a consulting position and our coaching versus done for you for the audience that may not know what that is. So done for you service would be hey, Maya is actually delivering the website itself, delivering the deliverables that the assets and everything else that needs to be completed. And then from a consulting and coaching angle, the consulting would be, hey, this is how we think it should be approached. And this is what we think the messaging should be. And from a coaching perspective, that can be mixed and varied between consulting and also, of course, just ensuring that the direction and strategy might be correct. And so you went from doing one-on-one services for these clients. How did you really scale up into the coaching element of it. Um, and what are some of the things that like you struggle through to, to get there? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's always so interesting telling my story. Cause I'm like, I mean, this was years of figuring it out. So I did this for like seven years before I really started to get into flow and really start to build momentum. So I was doing a lot of the, I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause you. Listen to that seven years seven years. That's how long it took me to get to the success that I've had here at Fat Merchant. And I feel like women sometimes have this notion that it's going to happen overnight. And there is no such thing as an overnight success. Zero. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Exactly. And I tell my clients, like, if you're not willing to put skin in the game for 10 years, then you might as today is the day to quit. Because if you have to be willing to show up every single day and some days not seeing the fruit, And I'm like, you don't eat the fruit the same day you plant the seed. So if that's what you're trying to do, then you're going to be really upset and you're going to quit. I love that. If you are not willing to do this for 10 years, then today is the day to quit. That is so true. That is amazing. I love that. I love that advice. Thank you. So yeah, so I was doing the one-on-one, the web design, the graphic design, and I was really um, just... trying to become a master at owning an agency and getting better at the branding and all of that. So I stayed in that phase for a while, you know, that was my season. That's where I had the most impact. And a lot of times people are like, well, how do I know when I'm supposed to pivot? And I'm like, you want to be in the season where you have the the absolute most impact. Like I was an expert at web design or I, I got to that point. I was an expert at helping them with the aesthetics and the messaging. So I stayed in that season for years until I realized that my clients really wanted to hone in on the messaging and increasing their rates. And then, so when I started to hone my skills set on that, that's when I started to offer more like one-on-one coaching. Um, and it's funny. Cause I mean, when I started out with one-on-one coaching, I wasn't an expert in coaching. I just knew people were asking me for advice and I don't really like talking on the phone. So I'm like, if you're going to want to always hop on a call with me, then I'm going to charge you. So I think when I started out, I was charging like, $125 for like three calls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people are actually paying me for this. And I also created, I started blogging as well and just talking about my experience as a freelancer and what it was like to grow my own like digital agency. And so people wanted to learn like how to blog and how to grow following and build their personal brand. And so just starting to create content was naturally positioning me as an expert in the branding space. 
And then I created a membership where I taught people how to build their blog and create content and build their list. And so I started slowly transitioning from just done for you services to kind of scaling with one to many, um, even though I wasn't familiar with it at the time, but I was using my voice and my message to reach more people. And then eventually I was like, okay, I want to cut off all of my design projects. And at the time I was doing income reports. Like this was years ago. Like when I first came across like Pat Flynn and saw all his income reports, I'm like, oh, I want to do the same thing. And so at the time I was making like maybe five to $6,000 a month. And it was so much money to me at the point. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to blog about this and show people my expenses and how much I'm making and what that looks like. And so as I was doing my income reports, one of the things that I was paying attention to was like, okay, how much money am I making from design? And then how much money am I making from coaching and courses? And so when I was at the like 50, 50 mark, I was like, okay, I feel like now if I cut off web design, I'll be safe. And so I started transitioning into that and I fell in love with it. And then when Periscope came around, I started using my voice more and I just blew up in that aspect. And then I transitioned fully but I tried to go back into the agency model and I'm like, okay, now that I really understand launching and landing pages and copy, I can give them everything that they need. And it was just, it worked for a little bit. That's how Built to Impact was born because that's what the agency was called initially. And I was like, I just can't do the agency model because these clients just don't listen. The issue sometimes with Done For You is that clients think that now you run their business for them. It's like, no, girl, I'm just helping you. Like you still have to show up for yourself. And that wasn't happening. And I'm like, I'm not creating the most impact here. And that's the question that I asked myself, am I creating impact? Am I generating money? And do I have joy? And I was unhappy. I wasn't creating the type of impact that I wanted. I was making money, but it was not fulfilling. And then I was, I remember writing down, it was like a new year. I think maybe this was 2018 I wrote down three day live event and I didn't know what it was going to be yet. And then like six months later, I had my first impact weekend. It was 12 women in an Airbnb. And it's like, that's when it hit. And it took years to get to this point because I mean, I started in college in 2008 and it was 2018 when I did my first impact weekend. And it's like impact weekend was the thing that really shifted everything for built to impact. That's so incredible. And you actually had such a huge turnout this last year. I'd love to talk about the growth and built to impact. And you're probably one of the first events that I saw online post COVID. And so I was like, I want to be there. I want to be there so bad. And it honestly gave us a lot of courage. Actually, I will say that watching your event at CEO school, we had to cancel on all our events last year. We had pre-booked so many events and it was the most heartbreaking thing ever. One, obviously it was hard for everybody from a a health perspective and everything happening in the world. But there is just this energy that virtual will never give us. I mean, it, and there's been so many amazing learnings this last year and how quickly we can do business and how things can actually accelerate. And we don't need to be face-to-face all the time. So many great things that came about that I, I truly wasn't aware of because I was such an in-person girl. But now I will say, but there is this, this level of energy that sometimes you just need. And that is what you get in a room full of powerful women. And so tell me about the impact weekend. What did you guys do? How many people were there? How was the energy? 
Oh my gosh. It felt great to be able to run a live event. So we had done smaller retreats because we offer intimate retreats for our clients where they just come to Atlanta and we're together for two days. So we did that in October, November, and January. So that was kind of like a tester to see like, okay, is this safe? You know, we made every person get tested and then we were able to safely meet in person. And it's just funny that you're like, oh, how was the, you know, event post COVID? Cause it's like, girl, there is no post COVID. Like we are mid COVID. And so my event planner is amazing, very intentional. Her name is Jillian with one touch events. And she was like, we will not be a super spreader event. Like we just will not. So we made everybody get tested um, within three days of coming. Everybody had on their mask, but it just still felt so good to see another person physically. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a hybrid event. So we did have virtual, but the virtual, like the energy was still really amazing because they got to see us in person and their engagement was crazy and they're dancing and stuff on the zoom and having fun with us. But I'm so glad we were able to pull it off. Nobody got sick. It was not a super spreader event. And I was like, damn, we're crazy as hell for really doing this, but I'm glad that we did it because it's like, it's what people needed. Like I know the majority of the attendees were staying at home for almost a year now, and then just being able to show up to an event where they have opportunity to get poured into just changed everything for them. I think it's incredible. And I actually really applaud you for it. I think that it takes some to get started to really create in, in, in a safe way. Right. And I do believe that. And I know I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash for even just, uh, this is what happens sometimes when you're, when you're, when you're in the public, but I do believe in that. I do believe that there is such a huge power in human connection. And I do believe that if we're able to do it in a very safe and a very controlled way, be super intentional about it, have the right people there that it can be possible. I sit on the board for Venture Atlanta, which I'm so pumped about and that you're in Atlanta. So I can't wait to come visit you. Uh, soon we'll have an in-person safe coffee date. Uh, but uh, Venture Atlanta, I think we're going to be bringing back Venture Atlanta. It's one of the biggest Southeast events in the tech venture ecosystem. We have massive speakers that come in, you know, Mark Cuban and Ariana Huffington, and it's big. And it sucks that we've had to do it virtually. And this year we're going to have a hybrid model and the entire board unanimously really major key people in a major city like Atlanta um, saying, hey, I think we, we will be able to pull off an in-person event. And I was so proud of our board. And it's really scary. Like it's scary to, to put your name out there and like as a board making decisions like that. And it, it, it's, you're gonna, you're gonna get backlash either way from the community. And so I've, I've been in that, like I'm recently in that position right now. I'm excited to be able to execute for Adventure Atlanta. I'm excited to be able to execute for, um, for CEO school. And we've actually partially been back at Fat Merchant but I'm so proud of you for taking that step and being a pioneer to say, hey, we can do this in a safe and effective way. So kudos for being one of the first. Thank you. I'm grateful and actually a little bit shocked that I haven't seen any direct backlash. I mean, of course, people say stuff sub subliminally, whatever. Um, but a lot of the response has been like FOMO. They're like, man, I should have been there. I And, you know, immediately after the event, because there is so much FOMO, like people are already buying tickets. So we have like over 160 people who are already registered for next year. But I feel really grateful. I think people see other people, I guess, quote unquote, brave enough to, you know, still show up to the events. And they're like, man, I, I should have showed up. Like, what can we do to still interact with people in person and just do it safely and with guidelines? So I'm glad that you guys are going to be able to do something in person because it is just a whole different energy. And I think, quite frankly, we just need it at this point. Like, 
we need human interaction and that's important. No, I think it's so cool. And so how many people were at the event this time? So we had about 100, 135, 140 people in person. And then we had about the same exact amount online. So yes. really, really energy. Yeah. And what, what are some of the workshops that, you know, so what are the most impactful things? So obviously the event is the impact weekend. What are the biggest impacts that you are making that we as the audience can take away here to say, Hey, we want to apply that in our business. If we can get, if we were let's pretend that we are sitting in that workshop with you, what are some of the things that you can help impact us today in our businesses? Ooh, yeah. So this year, the framework that I taught was a little bit different. I'm the only speaker there. So I'm running my mouth for all three days. Um, and we go over mindset, messaging, and marketing, because those are like the three things that are just extremely important. So day one is, is mindset. And it's funny, because I think sometimes people don't understand the importance of mindset. But then when you really get deep into the mindset work, you're like, holy crap, how is I operating without this level of awareness? So I love that we get to do that and just visualize our future like three to five years out. So we start off with the guided visualization exercise, which I love because now everybody in the room is operating from their future selves instead of the part of them that came in with any feelings of inadequacy or feeling like they weren't good enough. So starting off with the mindset and then just nailing the messaging and the storytelling, like what is your story? Why does it matter? Who do you want to help? Who can your story set free? And just getting clear on that. And that also builds the confidence, which, you know, one of my favorite things is just making women feel confident because we just show up differently. So just helping them feel confident with their messaging and how they're going to create impact in the world. And then ending with marketing, like how will you now take this message and reach more people? How are you going to change lives? And how are you going to make money doing it? Because making money is important. I don't care how humble you want to be. We need money to make things grow. We need money to make an impact. And you're not going to be able to do a lot of things if you're operating from a place of lack. So I teach them like how to create the revenue strategy, how to set goals. And one of the most important things, I think this exercise resonated with them. I was saying like, you have to have the goal of wanting to make a minimum of $100,000. Like $100,000 in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money, especially when you compare it to the level of impact that you want to create. Like, how are you going to help thousands of people if you're only making $100,000? And so one of the exercises that I did with them was I had them make an example of an org chart. So I'm like, you're the CEO at the top, and then you have your sales and marketing person, you have your operations person and your customer service person, your finance person, like all of the key roles in your company. And I'm like, so there was like seven employees under them. And I'm like, you guys are doing every single one of these jobs right now. And if you paid all of these people, all seven of these people part-time at $15 an hour for the month, that's $8,400. You're paying, you would be paying these people just part-time $100,000 a year without even paying yourself. And I'm like, as the CEO right now in your company, you're doing all of these things. So the minimum you should be making is $8,400 a month. And I think that really shifted for them like, wow, $100 is not that much. And so now I feel confident striving for that because I used to think that it was going to create an impact. And now I'm realizing that's the baseline price. And so I loved being able to do that exercise with them and then showing them how to do it. 
I love it. And it's, it's such a good exercise and it, it makes complete sense. And I think that's what it is. Sometimes we, I find that women, we don't even think big enough for ourselves. That's like one of the biggest things that I've taken away after mentoring so many women is the fact that we don't even aim to dream bigger. We've like literally limited ourselves and capped ourselves. And even from a financial perspective, we have these fictitious numbers baked in of what is actually successful versus what is actually, what it actually takes to operate big businesses. One of my biggest takeaways that a mentor once, uh, like one of my biggest lessons that a mentor once gave me as I was even raising venture capital, he said to me, Sonero, whatever you think it's going to cost you, double that. And whatever you think, however much time it's thing you think it's going to take you, double that. And so that is how, how small actually the resources that you have. And I remember going through this when I was doing my seed round funding for Fat Merchant and I had asked for half a million dollars, which was the biggest number that I could ever fathom raising for my company was half a million dollars. And we were oversubscribed after we had a big demo day for, I was at a tech accelerator, pitched this, and we were oversubscribed to $1.2 million that night. And at my limit, I was like, well, I'm only going to take the 500,000. And this is where this, because I didn't want to dilute, right? I was so trying to protect my equity so much, which we'll go into a little bit of venture on another episode, ladies. But I was so scared to say, to take more. And I just remember like, that's one of like the pivotal pieces of advice that I was given. The lesson there is that it takes a lot more than what you think it's going to take. And it's going to take a lot more time than you actually think it's going to take. And that has been true every single step of the way, no matter what I've done, no matter what the next milestone, next event, next budget, next meet, like next anything, next project, it's always been true. It's going to take, it's going to cost you twice as more. It's going to take you twice as long. Exactly. And at this point, I'm not even like shocked by numbers anymore. I'm like, you know what, let me just pay it because I just was the one that wasn't prepared, but here's the reality of it. So that's so right. It is going to cost more time and money. Um, but it does end up being worth it in the end, especially if you say yes to it instead of shrinking. So I love that lesson. I love it. That's amazing. The event did seem absolutely wonderful. And the word FOMO is real because I was watching it and I felt super FOMO the entire time. Uh, Maya, so what's next, right? So um, you're obviously, you have a lot of success. You're helping so many women. You're living your dream of making an impact. What's next for you and the company? Oh man, immediately what's next is just preparing to onboard these new clients. So like I said, there was about 250 women at the event and I would say maybe about 30 of them were already active clients and then about 85 of them signed on to work with us. So now we're like, okay, let's just make sure that we have the infrastructure to onboard all of these new clients so we can serve them the best way possible. So that is the immediate next step. And it's funny because now that reminds me of the lesson that you just shared, where if you're not thinking big enough, then that's really, that could really be your demise. Right. And I remember months ago thinking, okay, if we had 200 people in our program, what would be the infrastructure to make sure that we could serve those 200 people? And thank God I started thinking like that before we had those people, because now that they're coming in, we're going to be prepared for them. But I had, I stayed small, like, okay, I'm only going to run a coaching company that, you know, has 20 people at most. We're always going to cap it. I wouldn't be able to serve five times more than what we have right now. So that we're just working on that and just kind of testing things and just making sure that when we do onboard these clients, it can go as smoothly as possible. 
It's so important. Processes are everything and you can never start too early. What's going to get you um, into every single next level is better and better processes. And I promise you what got you to the zero to five figure is not what's going to get you from five to six figures. And what got you to six figures is definitely not what's going to get you to seven figures. You have to reevaluate your processes every single step of the way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My team is like just drowning in SOPs right now, but it, they're so useful. So you're right. The processes are so important. Yeah. And a huge uh, shout out to Fat Merchant here. Cause I heard that you're becoming a customer of Fat Merchant and you were telling me about it um, before we started this episode. And it makes my heart so happy. And you're like, I didn't realize that you were the CEO of Fat Merchant. And I was like, Gleaming, gleaming with joy for my first baby, which makes me so proud. Um, and so, yeah, ladies, if yeah. you need a, a better payment processing tool, you need to check out Fat Merchant always. It's so incredible to see your success, see the scale. You have hundreds of women that you're making an impact for every single day. How can the women here support you? So um, that is always, you, you know, I love when, you know, you take the time out to, you know, get share nuggets of your knowledge with us. How can we as a community support you? Yeah. Um, the best way to support me would be either signing up for Impact Weekend or sharing Impact Weekend. So if you look at the hashtag Impact Weekend 2020 or Impact Weekend 2021, you'll see a lot of the highlights. So I would love for you to just share the recap video and everybody's experience because it's so fun. And if you would like to sign up for it, um, the wait list is available now at impactweekendlive.com. That's awesome. We'll definitely be checking that out. I'll be sharing all of that in the show notes today. Now for a little bit of the fun, juicy stuff, I'm going to do a little rapid fire questionnaire with you as an entrepreneur. And so I actually don't have a list of questions prepared. This is uh, off the cuff for me and for you. So audience listening, here's how this is going to go. So Maya, what's like the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Ah, that's a good question. Best piece of advice. I would say maybe the most recent advice was before trying to start anything new, take your company to seven figures. Okay. I love that. Now, what is the worst piece of advice you were ever given? The worst piece of advice that I can think of off the top of my head, and it's always going to be related to business, is that uh, VIP days don't work and they're not a good idea. Okay. And they're not, and they were a good idea. So you were, yeah, 100%. Okay. So you had your event and then you did a VIP section for, for your event. Um, so the advice that I was given was that VIP days weren't helpful. And so a VIP day is just a full day of coaching or consulting with the client. So like a six hour day. And so I did a lot of VIP days in 2019 that helped to grow my business. And it helped me to come up with the curriculum for my program now. And so it was beneficial for me and my clients. Awesome. I always love asking the piece of advice that wasn't the best piece of advice because you'll learn that every, you guys have to just experience things yourselves. So what somebody else might've experienced, may they think that they're giving you the best advice actually sometimes is not what you actually need. So take everything for what it's worth at surface value and go experience it yourself, good or bad. Are you a wine, coffee, or tea or all three? Um, I'm more of a tequila. Tequila. Okay. So tequila, tequila on the wine. I always like to throw in the other options in case there's no drinkers in the t- on the table. So tequila drinker, coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Okay. And what about your morning routine? Do you have anything super special for your morning routine? Are you like the 5am workouter or is it you're a hot mess in the morning and uh, you're like me? 
Oh my gosh. I would say my morning routine is I work out at 7 a.m., sometimes 8 a.m. if I need to sleep in. It's been tough for like the past year to have a really strict morning routine because it's like, I feel like there's no reward now. Like before it'd be like, I did my morning routine. I get to go have drinks with the girls later or whatever. Now it's like, I did my morning routine and I'm still here in the house. So um, my morning routine right now is waking up, working out, and then working. I would say when I'm on and it's not a pandemic, it's usually waking up, listening to worship music, journaling, reading my Bible or devotional, then working out and then getting to work. But we're not all there right now. I, I love that, that there's no reward. It's so true. My, I was the same way and my morning routine is not, it's just a routine that gets me to my office and gets my kids to school. Like that's the routine right now. Uh, and so me showing up physically in the office, is like a hot mess of a routine. Awesome. And then what are some things that you're reading? So what are some, you know, as an entrepreneur, I, I don't know if you are like, like to listen to podcasts or listen to audible or you're a reader, but any things that our audience starting a business can take away that you're like, I absolutely love that. Or just a book that um, in general, that really impacted you. Yeah. So right now I'm reading Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, I love that book. Yeah, it is a really great read. And so it's just helping me as a CEO and a leader and just keeping my vision big. So it's been really good so far. That's awesome. And a final fun question is what's your favorite pizza topping? Uh, Probably banana peppers. Oh, I've not gotten that one on the show. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, just straight banana peppers, cheese and banana peppers. Yep, that's it. Okay. Awesome, Mile. This was so fun getting to know you a little bit personally on the show today. Uh, getting to know a little bit about Impact Weekend. We're so excited to support you on that. I'll be linking everything today. Thanks for all that you're doing for women entrepreneurs everywhere. And something that actually we didn't even get to talk about is how much you're helping minority women. I don't know if we have two minutes to kind of discuss the impact that you're having specifically on the minority and black community. And how do you see that getting elevated over the next couple of years? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to be likely the number one coach for black women who want to grow their businesses. And to be honest, when I got in this space, I primarily focused on women of faith because that's what I resonated with most, especially because I grew up in like white neighborhoods, white churches. And so I didn't even realize the disconnect. And then as I got older and heard more black women talking about how they didn't have an example, like growing up, I didn't even realize that I was missing the example. I just kind of like assimilated into white culture because that's the culture that I grew up in. And so now recognizing how important my role is, like my main focus has been, how can I specifically pour into black women, help them see their worth, help them see their value, and then get that value monetarily with their businesses. So I'm excited to really just pour into more black women and see them level up. I'm excited. I want to see that too. And we're excited to be all part of that journey with you and the community. And I think it's such an important, it's a, such an important mission. And I think it's so important that we actually sit and talk about these things and not just say, oh, it's going to happen. I think it takes very purposeful change to make change actually come into action. And you are just a perfect example of that. And when you say that there weren't women to look up to and you feel that duty, I feel the same way, especially as a minority woman myself, that it never had examples. Like, and it's not that I didn't grow up in any different, in, in a circumstance that I grew up with immigrant parents, which had a very different, like I was, I was in, on, in entrepreneurship. My path was always 
to education was like the number one thing for my parents because entrepreneurship was the opposite of what they wanted for, for us. Because for them, entrepreneurship wasn't sexy. They, they worked at restaurants and cleaned in order to save their dollars to go start their business, which they brought home a lot of stress from a small business standpoint. And so my options were always doctor, lawyer. And that's kind of the case for a lot of the Indian, Pakistani, Asian women that come from immigrant parents. But I never had on like successful entrepreneurial brown women to look up to. And yeah, and I feel like I get that response every day from brown women in my culture that are like, wow, I'm so glad that I was started following you because I do see this as a career path that I never thought was a career path. And it's, it is, it's so impactful. You don't realize the impact that you're having by just showing up and telling your story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my sister and I are both first generation American. Our parents are Liberian. So when you're an immigrant child, like your parents are like, no, we came to this country so you could get a good job, not so you could make up some imaginary play thing that you're doing that you're saying you're making money on the internet. So yeah. And a lot of, you know, people who are children of immigrants completely understand that. I don't know if you've had Glow on the show. Are you familiar with Glow Antonimo? Yeah, we're about to have her. She hasn't, uh, you're on first. So she's coming okay. up. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. But yeah, she she always talks about that as well. She was on my panel at Impact Weekend. And it's it's definitely a different perspective because our parents, they risked a lot coming to this country. And so because of that risk, there's even more pressure for us to be successful in the way that they have seen success, which is usually through education or going to a good school and graduating. And so when I dropped out of college, I thought, you know, my parents were going to disown me, <laughs> but they finally understand what I do now and they're grateful and they see the fruit of what I do. But it's definitely really intimidating when you do have parents who risk so much for you to be able to have the privileges um, that some privileges that you do have, like living in America. So well, I, th I think what you're doing is great. It is definitely not easy showing up online every day. I think that people discount that so much of how hard it actually is. But once you break through that and you have that impact, you have that why behind you, it's so fueling. So thank you, Maya. Thanks for being on the show today. We will be following you um, on Instagram. What's the best way to follow you and to uh, follow your journey? Yes, you can follow Built to Impact at Built to Impact. And you can also follow Maya Elias, M-A-Y-A-E-L-I-O-U-S. A lot of people think that it's Mylicious, but it's Maya Elias. So I'd love for you guys to connect with me on there. That's awesome. And you are Maya Licious. So it is so appropriate. Thank you so much for being on the show, Maya. Thank you to our audience for staying tuned. And we'll see you guys next week at CEO School. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us at CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes that you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building million dollar businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love the show, screenshot the review, and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way.